Let's continue our study in joy. Everybody say joy. Let's read Luke chapter 2, 8 to 20. Luke chapter 2, 8 to 20 says this. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Everyone say good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured upon all these things, pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And so these past several weeks, we've been doing an Advent focus on joy. And we've talked about how joy is a key distinctive of the kingdom of God. Because of the kingdom of God, it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Talked about our friends of the Bible Project who put it this way, joy is an attitude that God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. And then we spent some time, particularly last week, to talk about counting it all joy. The joy is not just meant for happy or easy times, but God's joy is for all times and all seasons. And even when we go through diverse trials of many times, many kinds, we can walk in joy. And so today, again, as I said to you, I'm not preaching an entire message. We've had so many fun things and so many amazing things that have happened today. But what I want to do is I want to talk to you about several practical things that you and I can do, even this Christmas season, that we can do coming into 2024 to cultivate a life of joy. Everybody say cultivate joy. What are the things that we can do? We've learned about joy. We've learned about what it is. We've learned about what God says about it. We've learned that it's something that we can have even in difficult times and circumstances, which I know that some of us sitting here today and you're listening to me, maybe you're going through some things. But we can have joy even in those difficult circumstances. But what are the things that we can do to cultivate joy? And so just very quickly today, I want to share with you five smooth stones or five things that you can apply even this Christmas season to cultivate joy in your life. The first thing I want to say to you is if we're going to cultivate joy in our lives, we need to prioritize the presence of God. Everybody say prioritize the presence. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The foundational truth that we need to understand if we're going to cultivate joy, that joy is found first and foremost in the presence of God. Please hear me because sometimes we read these verses and we get used to saying them and it's just kind of what we say in church and oh yes, in his presence there's fullness of joy. No family, I want you to know today, it is true, it is real that in his presence is fullness of joy. And if we want to cultivate joy in our lives, we need to cultivate lives that prioritize being in his presence. We want to cultivate in our lives, in our daily routines, we talked about this a number of weeks ago about having that daily appointment with Jesus. But I want to encourage you this Christmas season to prioritize the presence of God in your life. 
I want to encourage you this Christmas season in the busyness and everything that's going on and all that's happening. Will we cultivate joy by prioritizing his presence? Will we set aside those times where we are with him, where we're in prayer, we're reading the word, we're worshiping, all these things. And again, it's not just these spiritual sounding. These are, are real elements where we open up our lives and we are aware of his presence. Some of you maybe have heard of a monk who, who wrote a number of different books. He's become you know, known in different Christian circles. He lived hundreds of years ago. His name was Brother Lawrence. And his most famous work was actually something called Practicing the Presence of God. And he developed this revelation of how in everyday life to be aware of and to live in God's presence. It's actually said that people would come to the kitchen to watch him do the dishes because he learned to cultivate God's presence. There was such a presence of God even when he did the dishes. I got some areas to grow because there's not a presence of God when I do the dishes. But you know, even beyond the jokes of it, there's this element of saying, God, I want to live a life where I'm aware of your presence. God, I want to be in your presence. I want to prioritize your presence because it's in his presence that's fullness of joy. I've learned in my life that I will walk in the most joy, and I, I'm definitely still learning and growing in how to live in joy every day. But I can tell you this, when I'm walking in his presence, even when we're gathering together, there's joy here today. And it's not just because, all oh, people are doing great dance moves and there's fun things that are happening. All that stuff is part of it, but it's part of in his presence there is fullness of joy. I love Acts 2.28, which says this, you've made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. God's presence is what makes us full of gladness and joy. Can I remind you, we've mentioned it many times, but joy is a fruit of the Spirit. When we're in the presence of God, we're in the presence of his Holy Spirit, and that is where joy comes from. And finally, Acts 13.52 says this, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. It's when we practice the presence of God in our lives, that's the foundation for joy. It's when we set aside that time, we grow in our awareness of him, that is what causes us to walk in joy. And so I want to encourage you, first and foremost, this Christmas season and even beyond, let's practice the presence of God. Everybody say, practice the presence. The second thing I want to encourage you, if you're going to cultivate joy in your life, and this again is something that's very simple. Even when I say it to you, you might go, oh, just that? But I want you to catch today how powerful this is for walking in joy, and it's finding joy in his word. It's finding joy in the word of God. John 15, 11 says this, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, too many times we see reading our Bible or studying the scriptures as just a religious exercise, something we just go through the motions to do instead of understanding that it is actually a supernatural book. It is a supernatural book. And one of the things that Jesus said, he said, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be into you. The more that we get in the word of God and the more that the word of God gets in us, the more we walk in joy. Psalm 119, 111 which is the longest book in the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about a love for the Word of God. I don't think that's accidental that the longest chapter in the Bible is all about loving the Word. But it says this, Psalm 119.11 says, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. 
Now see, sometimes we read that and we think that's just someone who says that they just really love the Bible. But pastor, I don't know, I struggle. I just don't love the Bible that much. I want you to dig a little deeper today. It's not just that they're the joy of my heart because I just love the Bible that much. They are the joy of my heart because the more I get in them and the more they get in me, the more joy I have. They literally become the joy of my heart. That his testimonies, his word, his promises, the more time you spend in it, it brings joy into your heart. It actually supernaturally causes there to be joy there that would not be there otherwise. And it's something I've learned about the Bible. It's, it's supernatural, guys. It is a supernatural book, and it makes a supernatural impact in our lives. If we'll take, that's why there's a battle over the Bible. That's why there's a battle over keeping you and me out of the Scriptures. And, you know, most of the time when you read the Bible, you're not going to get goosebumps. You're not going to have an angel appear to you or, like, Dinah in the skit, have four angels appear to you and wonder how these people keep getting into your house or anything else. I mean, no, they, when you do it so often, the Bible says the word, it's like a seed. You sow it, you go away, you don't even know, but then it begins to grow up. I was looking at some photos recently of my son's 13th birthday party. And we did his 13th birthday party. We had to kind of work through all the COVID regulations. And so we had just a group of men come together and bless him and pray over him. But I'm looking at the photos. I love it because in the photos, he's, he's at my shoulder. Now I'm looking up to him. His hair helps, but, you know, I'm still looking up to him. But, you know, it's amazing. It wasn't like one day he just went to bed and woke up six inches taller the next day. Whoa, what happened to you? You know what? I never any one day noticed him actually growing. It's just he kept growing. See, there's something about the Word of God if we just get in it consistently and it begins to bring joy in our lives. This passage is not just talking about, oh, I enjoy the Word. Because many of us listen say, well, I just don't enjoy it that much. No, when you're in it, it actually brings joy. Psalm 19 verse 8 says this, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. See, the precepts is His Word, and it says it actually rejoices our hearts. One last verse for this. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. How many people like eating at Christmas? I am looking forward to eating at Christmas. I am looking forward to it. Christmas Day, we're going to be at my parents' house, and my mom always has her Christmas meal that she makes. And then the next day, we're getting together with Pastor Sharon's family, and we're just going to have an amazing night. And food is so sad. I'm going to love it. But can I ask us this Christmas season, we're going to eat lots of food, but will we eat the Word? Will we commit to prioritize His presence, but also to, to find joy in His Word? Because remember, it's not just, oh, do I enjoy this or do I not? You may not enjoy it right now, but the more you get into it, the joy starts to come. So will we find joy in His Word? The third thing I want to encourage you, if we're going to cultivate lives of joy, even this Christmas season, is that we rejoice in praise. Everybody say rejoice in praise. Psalm 27 verse 6 says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I'll offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. There's something about learning to prioritize his presence, some learn to be in the word, but it's also something about learning to be a person of praise. There's something about joy that is connected about learning to praise God with our whole heart. See, God doesn't just want us to praise us, praise him because he's got some ego or something. I mean, he is worthy of it all. He's worthy of all our praise, but he's always looking out for our good and our benefit. 
And one of the things that he understands, he says, when you praise, there's joy that is released. And my joy becomes your strength. And so that's one of the reasons I call you to praise. And I call you to praise together because as you praise together, there is joy. Psalm 37 verse 1 said to the choir master, a song of the sons of Korah, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Loud songs of joy. There's songs of joy. Another verse here I'll share with you. Isaiah 12, verse 6 says this. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. I want to pause here for a moment. I want to encourage you in this line. And it's this concept of learning to sing for joy. See, there is a place where we sing because of joy. There's a place where we have joy in our heart. We're celebrating We've had a great week. We're seeing breakthroughs. Good things are happening. And because there's joy in our heart, we sing and we worship. I mean, it's interesting. Even if you look culturally in different cultures in the world, there's so much music is connected to joy. It's connected to joy. But so often when there's a celebration, there's joy. And you can sing because of joy. And that's not a bad thing. That is something that's even scriptural. But this didn't say sing because of joy. This said sing for joy. See, there's something about learning to praise God even when you don't feel like it that brings you to a place of joy. There's something about learning to praise even in the dark moments that causes joy to rise in your heart. And God wants us to learn. If we're going to be people of joy and if we're going to cultivate a life, we've got to learn to sing for joy. We've got to learn to praise God even when we don't feel like it. When you've had that hard week, that's not the time to say, well, I'll just stay home and watch online this week. You know you don't even watch online. No, that's when you need to be here and you need to be with your spiritual family and you need to be lifting your hands to the Lord, not because you feel like it, not because you feel like you have joy, but because you're singing for joy. And it's not even just here on a Sunday. I'll tell you, when you reach the power, some of the most powerful praise that you can ever give is when you're by yourself, there's no musician, there's no worship leader, you're half off key, but you're just praising God, and there's something about joy that is released when you take that step. See, it's one thing to do it here, and I'm thankful for us doing it here, but I promise you, if you learn to do it out there, if you learn to do it in the dark moment, then it's no problem coming together and doing it here. And can I encourage you that your song of joy is not just for you. But often your song of joy is going to lift somebody else up as well. The story I was actually listening to this week to a pastor named John Tyson. He pastors in New York City. And I highly recommend his teaching and preaching ministry. He's so good. But it, just this past Sunday, I was listening to his sermon. He shared a message or shared a story about Admiral William McRaven. And Admiral William McRaven is actually one of the, uh, I, I don't know if you'd say most famous or top Navy SEALs in the United States. Now, I know most of us are probably familiar with Navy SEALs, but they're just very high-level, highly trained warriors, and he ended up going on to become an admiral. But he told a story about when he was training to be a SEAL, and in the SEAL training, one of the things that they take you through is called Hell Week. And Hell Week is a week where they push you to the edge and beyond, you barely sleep. You barely get to eat. They literally drive you through training and exercises and all these different things for an entire week, and their goal is to make you quit. And you can stop at any time. You don't have to keep going. You can stop during this week, but if you stop, then you're out of the program. And so they're looking to see who can persevere. They're looking to see who can push through during Hell Week. 
Maybe some of us have feel like we've been going through a bit of a hell week. So McCraven tells the story. When he's going through his week, there are three or four days in. They're hungry. They're cold. They're tired. They're covered in mud. It's late at night. It's dark. They're freezing. They're all huddled together, arms locked together, you know, his brothers together there. And and their superiors, who are kind of running the training, go just outside, kind of outside, or just a little bit off, and they start to build a fire. And they start to build a fire, and then they pull out food, and they start serving, and they suddenly get really nice with the soldiers and say, hey, who wants some food? You can come. Just quit right now. We've got a warm fire here for you right now. We've got, we've got whole co- hot cocoa and coffee for you here right now. We've got food for you right now. Let's let smell how good. You just, just quit. You can have all of this. You don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to deal with this anymore. It's kind of like the enemy sometimes when you're going through it. Come on, just go back to the world. Come back. Just compromise. But they're all holding firm, so then they decided we're going to turn up the heat a little more. They said, you know what we'll do? If five of you will quit, we'll let everybody come to the fire. If five of you will quit, we'll, we'll let everybody eat tonight. If you just quit, then we, and they're trying to get, and, 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 and this really started to work. Because you know, most of us, you know, no, don't quit. But, you know, when you've been going for three or four days, and you're pushed beyond the edge, and you're freezing, and you're hungry, so a couple soldiers, McCraven said the one next to him let go of his arms and started to get up like he was going to walk to the fire. And a few other soldiers started to get up. It was like they reached their breaking point. And it looked like they were going to quit. And it looked like it was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, one of the seals started singing. Loud, he just started singing a song. And McCraven said then the other soldiers started joining in. Tyson said the words of the song would not be appropriate for a Sunday sermon. But they began to sing this song. And the, the, the superiors began to get angry and began to yell, stop it. What you? They just began to sing louder and louder. You know what happened? Those soldiers who got up and started to leave turned around and came back. And they locked arms again with the rest of their soldiers said, we're not going to quit. We're not going to stop. Listen, sometimes you might feel pulled to the end. You might feel like there's nothing left. That's when you've got to learn to sing the song of praise to God. That's when you've got to learn to sing the song. But I want you to know that it's not just for you, but sometimes there's somebody who's next to you. You don't know they're ready to throw in the towel. You don't know they're ready to give up and just throw in their on what God has promised them. But it's the songs of praise and the songs of joy, and the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Will we be those who sing this song or will we rejoice in praise? Really quickly, we're going to land this plane. There's two more things I want to encourage you. And if we're going to be those who cultivate joy, we need to prioritize his presence. Will we prioritize his presence this Christmas? We need to eat the word and find joy in the word. Will we, in the midst of eating turkey and stuffing and rice and peas and curry goat or whatever your Christmas family loves, whatever it is, will we also eat the word this Christmas season? Will we learn to rejoice and praise this Christmas season? The fourth thing is to enjoy community. This might be something that some people would think would be part of this message, but 2 John 1 verse 2 said this, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. There's something about joy that it's a team sport. I mean, yeah, I guess technically you can have joy by yourself. But even when you have joy by yourself, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to tell somebody about it, don't you? 
You want to you share it. You want to experience it because there's something about joy. That's, that's one of the reasons the enemy wants to keep us isolated because joy is something. The Bible says weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. There's something about community and being together and learning to rejoice together and learning to celebrate one another and learning to build each other up. And maybe I'm having a rough moment, but you're filled with joy in that moment and your joy picks me up. Or it's vice versa, it does the same way, but we have joy in community. Community. Romans 15.32 says this, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Do you know one of the enemy's major attack points against so many of us is to keep us isolated? Right? We live in a world that basically tells us, get yours. It's very kind of Canadian, North American, Western culture. Get yours. Take care of yourself. Do what you have to do. But what we realize so often is we cut ourselves off from community. We build walls instead of bridges. And then when we're in a moment of need or someone else is in a moment of need, they can't get in or we can't get out because we spent so much time building the wrong things. See, there's this element of community. Nehemiah 12.43 says this. And Arnold, if you want to come back and join me. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. For the women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. I love this. You know, it's, it, it's holy to rejoice. You know, we talk a lot about fasting, but there's also feasting. There's joy, and there's rejoicing. But you see, again, this was done in community. It's hard to have joy all by yourself. But it's easy to have joy when you're around other people who are growing in joy. And we're growing in joy together. One last verse, Philemon 1 verse 7 says this, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. I love that. See this? You see that concept again, refreshing. It's going to be hard sometimes. There's battles. We're, we're, we have spiritual armor. We're in a war, but we need each other. And we need community. And part of the way to the joy is the Lord our strength, but we strengthen each other in joy. We strengthen each other as God has called us together and the way we love one another. Notice what Paul said here to Philemon. He says, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love. When we love one another, it brings joy. You know, I've noticed this with joy. So much of the joy in my life is not actually me, but it comes through the people I'm connected with. The joy I have in my relationship with Pastor Sharon, the joy I have watching my son hoop or watching him crush it in school or do something. The joy I have my daughter watching her, you know, do ministry or get, get in school and, you know, having fun and being in this and being in that. There's joy that comes from these relationships and what God's called us to. I could list different people and friendships, the joy we have in one another. And so this Christmas season where we build bridges instead of walls. Maybe you're kind of saying, well, I just don't feel like I have that kind of community. Oh, well, then ask the Lord for it. But I can give you a tip. Sometimes we ask God for something, but if we never actually give time for it to happen, we keep saying no to his answer. It's making the space and making the room. And so just as I want to bring this to a close today, we're talking about cultivating joy. So number one, this Christmas season, let's prioritize the presence of God. Number two, let's eat the word and find joy in the word. Number three, let's learn to sing for joy and rejoice in our praise. Number four, let's enjoy community. Build bridges, not walls, this Christmas season. And then last but not least, I want to encourage us. This, 
is simple, but it's powerful. But it's always remember the joy of your salvation. Psalm 51 verse 12 says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Right at the foundation of joy, family, there's this element of understanding we have joy because we have Jesus. And that's not just a nice cliche phrase, but we have joy because of our salvation. Where would you be today without Jesus? Where would we be today without the love of God in our lives? Yo, we notice it, and quite often people will comment about the joy that's in a new believer's life. Because for them, it's so fresh. It's so fresh where they were, but where God's brought them to. Forgiveness and grace is so fresh to them. Deliverance and freedom is so fresh to them. They can see so clearly where they were, and they can see so clearly where God has brought them to. And when you see that, you can't help but be filled with joy. Because it's the greatest gift that was ever given. But you know, sometimes when we've been a Christian for a little while, maybe some self-righteousness starts to creep in. We forget how much God saved us from. We forget where we would be without Him. We start to put trust in our own goodness and our own strength. And what happens is you start to lose the joy of your salvation because you begin to take it for granted. Part of my prayer for myself this Christmas season, part of my prayer for each one of you, whether you're in person, whether you're online, by my prayer is that we would see a restoration of the joy of our salvation. You're saved today. You know Jesus today. You've been redeemed today. You've been set free today. When you die, you're not going to spend an eternity separated from God, but you're going to spend an eternity with Him ruling and reigning. And I know it might be tough right now, and there might be some battles right now, and you might be battling some different emotions, but I want to encourage you. Ask God, God, restore to me today the joy of my salvation. God, let it be fresh like it was just there where you saved me. Some of us, maybe we grew up in church, and, 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 we, and we don't even, we, we, sometimes we don't even fully have a revelation of what Jesus did for us. Pray for a fresh revelation. Pray for the joy of your salvation. How many people would join me this Christmas season and pray, God, restore the joy of my salvation? God, take me deeper. Even if you've got it, there's more. There's more joy for us, more revelation to walk in. But before I pray today, I want to encourage you in a second side of this coin of the joy of our salvation. The first part, is recognizing that I'm saved. But the second part, and please don't hear this through kind of churchy ears, but there is great joy in taking this salvation to somebody else. Luke 15 verse seven says this, so just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Bible says there's so much joy in heaven every time somebody repents. And again, sometimes we get used to hearing these verses, but I want you to hear it today like this is real. There's so much joy. And there's a joy that comes when we remember the salvation we have, but when we take a step to share it with somebody else. When we take a step to say it's not right for me to enjoy this bountiful blessing that God's given me and never try and share it with anyone else. But let me share this with somebody else because there's joy in that. Greg Laurie, a pastor and evangelist, said this. He said, let me say this again. 
Sharing the gospel is life-giving for us as Christians as well as the person we are sharing with. Far too often we think of sharing our faith as something that's hard, undesirable, something we really don't want to do, but it's life-giving to the one who's hearing it and it's life-giving to you too. Another translation of the word beautiful as in how beautiful are the feet of those who share the gospel is lively. How lively are the feet of those who share the gospel of peace. So if you want happy feet, everybody say happy feet. If you want happy feet, if you want a spring in your step, tell others about Jesus. I honestly believe this is a key to personal revival, to share your faith. And I find that new believers make the most effective evangelists. Why? Because they're sharing what God's done. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. I don't know about you, but I want to have lively feet. I want to have beautiful feet. I want to have feet of those who share the gospel. Why? Because when I share with somebody else, I sow, but it also reap joy in my life. How many people want to grow in joy this Christmas season? Amen? So let's pray. I want to bring this to a close. We've had a full Sunday. And I want, if your heart is especially, I actually just want to pray into this restoring the joy of our salvation. Because next week, guys, we have a great opportunity to put this into practice. Next Sunday, we're expanding to third service. So there's space to invite people. And there are people who will come with you to a Christmas Eve service that may not come any other time throughout the year. And all they need is an invitation. They will not invite themselves. I mean, maybe someone's really bold. They might come up and say, hey, do you have a church? Can I go to church with you on Christmas Eve? Probably not. But if you invite them, they'll come. And we're going to have a Jesus-centered, gospel-centered message that's going to share the love of Jesus and the hope and the joy that we have in this season. But we've got to take that step. And even if you can't get them to church on Sunday, what can you do this Christmas season to take this gift of salvation that you've received and share it with somebody else? But it all comes back to restoring the joy of our salvation. When you've got something you love, when you've got something you're passionate about, we got something that's changing your life. You can't help but tell people about it. You want to share it with people. That's how this is supposed to work. And so let's just, if your heart is saying, God, restore the joy of your salvation in my life this Christmas season in a new way. Let's just raise our hands, Lord. We're going to pray this. Father, as we come to a, a close today, Lord, we thank you for joy. And Lord, I thank you that this Christmas season, we will be those who practice your presence. God, I pray that we will be those who eat your word and find joy in your word. God, I pray that we will be those who rejoice in praise and learn to sing for joy. God, I pray that we'll be those who don't build walls but build bridges and enjoy community and those you've connected with. And Lord, just as we bring this to a close today, we pray that you will restore to us the joy of our salvation. God, do a work in our hearts, just this fresh joy of being saved. If you did nothing else for us our entire lives, the fact that you saved us and redeemed us, God, is worth more than any. That by itself would be enough to praise you forever. But I pray, God, that in the midst of the hustle, the bustle, the ups and downs, the challenges, the battles, the good things, Lord, that you will restore to us the joy of our salvation. And we just receive this today, God. We receive a fresh joy regarding our salvation in Jesus' name. Now, just before I dismiss, with head bowed and eyes closed, I want to give an opportunity if there's anyone who needs to receive this gift of salvation. Maybe you're listening to me and you realize you need to know God. 
Maybe you realize you used to follow God, but you've fallen away and you know you need to come back. He's not angry at you. He doesn't have a list of all the things you have to do to get back in his good books. He's the father who has his arms wide open. He's saying, come home. Will you come home today? Will you come home to my love? The Bible teaches us that God loves us with everlasting love, but we've been separated from that love by sin. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you're in this place today and you say, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus and I want someone to pray with me. Or maybe you say, you know what, I used to follow Jesus, I fell away, but I need to come back. I need to come back and come back home to him. If you're either one of those people, I just want you to wave your hand at me today. Is there anybody that needs to give their life to Jesus or needs to give their life back? Thank you, I see a hand over there. Anybody else just with a hand raised? Thank you, I see a hand there. If there's anybody else, this is, I mean, the most amazing thing we could do. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the joy of our salvation. Do this work in us in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed with me said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for a little bit of stretch on the time today. We had lots going on. As you go today, number one, guests, we have the Connect Center. Please go. We'd love to meet you. We have a gift we want to give you. Secondly, we got coffee and tea, and I heard a rumor we might have eggnog out there. And so, oh, someone got excited about that. So I want to encourage you to do something just as spiritual as worship, just as spiritual as giving, just as spiritual as reading the Bible today. It's loving one another. So as you go out today, get some eggnog, take a moment to meet somebody. Don't be shy. Build relationship. If you raised your hand or you know you should have, I want to invite you just, we have some leaders here at the front at the end of service. I want to invite you to come forward. They'd love to pray with you and love to connect with you and support you. But God bless you guys. We love you. Merry Christmas. And we'll see you next week for one of our three Christmas Eve services. God bless you. And let's keep growing in joy.